What's up, everybody? Welcome into Wiregrass Daily News Sports. I am your host, Philip Jordan, the in-studio host and producer of Dustin Woods Football on 96.9 The Legend. Got an interesting show for you guys this week. We're going to be breaking down Troy at Kansas State, Alabama, Texas, and Auburn Cal. was not a great weekend for the three schools we like to follow here in the Wiregrass, but we will discuss it here on the show. Before we do all that, let you guys know you can find me in the podcast. Find me on social media at PJordanSEC. Podcast is available over at Wiregrass Daily News or wherever you get your podcast. You can always email me at sports.philipjordan at gmail.com. Now, let's jump into it. First, we're going to jump into Troy at Kansas State and what happened there. So last week on the show, Troy at Kansas State, I predicted Kansas State to win this game. Uh, I thought it would be a lot closer than it ended up being, and really the score is kind of misleading. Troy had some opportunities in this game. Kansas State wins 42-13. to 13. Kansas State quarterback Will Howard, tremendous game. I mean, this team coming into the game was ranked 15th in the country. Uh, he was 21-32 for 253 touchdowns. He did throw an interception. He rushed for 33 yards and two touchdowns also. Uh, their wide receiver, Phillip Brooks, was huge in the game. We're going to talk about a big play he made toward the end of the first half in a second. He has seven catches, 94 yards, and one touchdown. On the short sides of things, uh, quarterback Gunnar Watson was 17-32, 167, one touchdown, one interception. Uh, they did put Goose Crowder in late in the game in the fourth quarter. The backup quarterback, he was 5-6, 49 yards, no touchdowns, no interceptions. Kamani Vidal could not replicate what he did last week when he broke the record, the school record there at Troy. Uh, 17 carries, 83 yards, 4.9 yards per carry in this game. So not a bad performance by him, but when the score is out of hand and you have to throw the ball all the time, it really takes the running game away. Wide receiver Chris Lewis, now he was the highlight for Troy out of this game. Five catches, 50 yards, one touchdown. Had a couple one-handed catches, a touchdown catch. And that's kind of like where we go with things. Kansas State was up 14-0 early in this one. You're like, okay, is this thing going to turn it out? And I was sitting there watching this one. It was an 11 a.m. game. And then Troy turned things around a little bit. They got within 14-3. to They got the ball back. And they went on a solid drive. Watson ended up connecting with Lewis, as we talked about the one-headed catch for 21 yards with 52 seconds. Troy was in within 14-10. to 10, And I'm watching this game. So, okay. Troy's on the road. They're in Manhattan, Kansas, but they have some momentum going into halftime. 52 seconds left. Hold Kansas State out of the end zone, out of any scoring. You can go to the locker room and say, okay, we were down 14-0. We scored 10 in a row. We kind of settled into the football game. But then Kansas State had other ideas. Uh, they went five plays, 66 yards to go up 21-10. to The big play was with 25 seconds left, Howard hit – Hit Brooks for a 39-yard touchdown. And as I said, Kansas State was up 21-10, to 10, and they just cruised in the second half, outscoring Troy 21-3 to 3 in that part of the game. And then we look at the overall stats, you know, not completely horrible for Troy in some um, statistics. They were close in first downs. Kansas State had 20. Troy had 15. Troy was 6-17 of 17 on third down. Now, Kansas State was awesome, 10-15 of, of 15 on third down. Uh, total yards, Troy had 286. Kansas State had 397. Uh, Troy had 216 passing, uh, 70 yards rushing. Uh, so even they had a lot of losses uh, in that category on Saturday. And 
the rushing game, like I said, 72.5 yards per carry. That's not going to do it. They didn't really turn the ball uh, penalty-wise. They did turn the ball over twice in the game. But it's one of the things, too, like you go in this game, they're playing 15 team in the country, you're on the road, 11 o'clock game. It's a long trip. You go into it not expecting Troy to win, but you, you're hopeful that the game is going to be competitive. They're going, they're going to stay in the game. It's going to be one that at least goes to the fourth quarter from what we've seen from Troy in the past and just how John Sumrall has done with this team. And he talked about last week, and we played the audio, that if we don't play better, we play what we did against Stephen F. Austin, we're going to get beat by a really good team. And that's what happened. So, But for Troy, a lot of their goals are ahead of them. Um, look, they undefeated, was that a goal? I'm sure win every football game is your goal. You don't want to just say, hey, we'll lose this one and be fine. But now you look at it for the Sun Belt. That's still in front of them. They're very capable winning the Sun Belt. This is still a good team. They're going to be fine in the Sun Belt. Uh, but maybe if they have, okay, we can pull an upset here. Maybe we can get into a New Year's Six Bowl game, which obviously now that's not going to happen. And still, even if you want to defeat, you have to have a lot of things happen for you for a Sun Belt team. Just saying. I mean, just how it goes. So now they go into their matchup this Saturday, 6 o'clock on the NFL Network with James Madison. Uh, James Madison coming here. This team was really good last year. They were the best team really in the eastern side of the Sun Belt. But because they're in a transition phase, they cannot go to the Sun Belt championship game. That's why Troy played Coastal instead. Uh, this team is very balanced. They averaged 201.5 yards per game in the air and 214 yards per game against the run, uh, running ball. So, like I said, they're a balanced team. Defensively, they're good against the run so far. Through two games, they're only giving up 40 yards per game on the ground, and that's a, an area where Troy wants to go because they want to run the ball with Kamani Fadal. And I'm still – I talked about this in preseason and articles and all other stuff. Troy needs to find a second running back. They didn't have it Saturday. And like I said, they got down, I know. But it just cannot be Vidal. They need somebody else to, to step up at the running back position or they're in trouble. And James Madison, uh, they uh, played really well. They beat Virginia 36-35 to 35 on Saturday. They were up 17-7 to 7 early, and I'm kind of watching the scorebook. I knew this was Troy was playing next. I thought, oh, wow, James Madison's really doing some things. Then Virginia comes back, takes a 28-17 lead with 10-29 in the third quarter. Uh, quarterback for James Madison, though, they came back once again um, – and they took the lead at the end. Jordan McLeod with a 10-yard touchdown pass to Kalen Block uh, with 55 seconds left to put them up 36-35. to 35. Uh, McLeod was 20-31, of 31, 224, and one touchdown in that game. So, Troy's going to have their hands full on Saturday night. It's going to be a big game. It's going to be a big atmosphere. But uh, Troy is going to need to come with a really good effort to beat a very solid James Madison team. All right, next up, Alabama hosted Texas on Saturday night. Now, I told you I picked Texas last week here on the show to win this game. Um, I don't know if that got granted me any favors Alabama fans or not. Probably not. But going into this one, now, I did not expect this kind of game. Like, I expect something last year. You know, last year's 2019 defensive game, lower scoring game. You know, kind of come down to the place of defense, but this was this was offense, and the Texas offense was on point the entire game. And, and Texas goes to two and zero, and they're now a top five team in the country. They were eleven going into game. Alabama dropped a few spots at three, 
and dropped to one at one. And obviously on social media, I see a lot of stuff with Alabama fans. A lot of them, not all, but they wanted to blame Jalen Milrow for the performance in the game. And he was 14-27, 255, two touchdowns, two interceptions, 44 rushing yards, which they only had 107 total rushing yards. So he had almost half of their rushing yards. And that's not good. Alabama needs running backs to be the focal point of the run game. But and, and before I kind of stand up for Milrow, I will say this too. The two interceptions he threw, especially the pick six, he just didn't see it. He, he didn't read the defense. He didn't see the defensive back. He didn't read it correctly. And, and that's just from – he's inexperienced. Uh, he does not have the experience to see certain things, things that Bryce Young probably would see. That's just that's just how it is. But now I'm going I'm going to stand up for Jalen Milrow. I think he played well. He had a beautiful touchdown pass to Jermaine Burton that gave Alabama the lead. I believe that's what put him what was it twenty to sixteen uh, late in the game. And even Nick Saban said after the game, yeah, there may have been a point in the game he maybe thought about pulling Jalen. But then when he throws a touchdown pass to get the lead, good things are happening. So okay, we got to, got to ride with him. But look. If he wasn't quarterbacking, if this was Ty Simpson or Tyler Buckner at quarterback, Alabama would have gave up more than five sacks. I mean, they, that's how many times Texas got to Jalen Milrow, and they would have got them even more because they don't have the mobility that he does. I'm not saying they're not good athletes. They are, especially Buckner. Buckner can move, but not to the level that Milrow can. So they constantly got pressure. Uh, Alabama does not win up front. I mean, their offensive line didn't. I uh, Still, the running game was not great for Alabama. And then on the other side of the ball, we got to look at the defense here. I mean, Alabama defense did not come to play in this game. I mean, Texas blew some scoring opportunities in this game. Texas probably could have beat Alabama worse than they did. Kicking field goals, going for fourth down, stuff like that. Just not taking advantage of certain situations, and they didn't. Uh, early on, the early interception that Miro threw, they only got three out of it instead of seven. But Quinn Ewers was not touched. Really, basically, he wasn't. Going 24 for 38, 349, three touchdowns. He was not sacked in the game. And and I'll say this, Alabama did a good job against Texas run game. Wasn't a great performance from that standpoint. But they the Texas receivers could not be stopped. Uh, tight end Jatavian Sanders was had five catches for 114 in the game. You had wide receiver A.D. AD Mitchell, who's familiar with Alabama because that's a former Georgia wide receiver. Uh, he had three catches for 78 yards, two touchdowns, and then Xavier Worthy, who is another really great receiver for Texas, uh, five catches for 75 yards in the one touchdown. And Alabama was supposed to have one of the best secondaries. Uh, you know, Kool-Aid McKinstry is supposed to be, if not the best, one of the best corners in college football. He got beat a couple times. Receivers were getting behind the Alabama secondary pretty regular. And Quinn Ewers throws a beautiful deep ball. I mean, he was just putting it right in, in their hands. Over the top, the receivers did not have to break stride. I mean, I don't remember too many times Queen Ewers made a bad throw. And they just, they were the better team. And now, and just kind of, and this is just my opinion, which everybody said, oh, no, he's calling out. He's saying that the Alabama dynasty's over. I'm not really even getting into that conversation. I'm going to get into Texas's back conversation here. But what I am going to get into is Nick Saban sound like a guy he's talking about. It's a privilege to play these games, stuff like that. I kind of wonder, look, Alabama, you look at their schedule. They can beat everybody on their schedule and get to Atlanta and play Georgia. Let's see what happens in the SEC championship game. But let's just say 
Alabama loses another game this year. And we went into this season thinking, okay, LSU, they got them at home. We got Tennessee at home. We got Texas at home. We just lost to Texas at home. So now it looks you look at it with Alabama. So, okay, they're not unbeatable at home. So now it's not out of the possibility. Maybe LSU or, or Tennessee could beat them. And who knows what the Auburn game is going to be at the end of the year at Jordan-Hare. We know how it gets weird and crazy when Alabama has to go to Auburn. But let's just say, hypothetically, say if Alabama loses another game or end of the world for Alabama fans, two more, and they get the three losses. Does Nick Saban look in the mirror and say, you know, I just don't want to be a coach that just hangs around. If it's slipping while I'm here, I need to get out. Because he's not going to be like what Bobby Bowden was or Joe Paterno was or other coaches where they just basically have to be forced out. Going, I don't think I don't think they say I don't think that's his personality. If he's not winning and competing for championships, I don't see him hanging around that long. They play South Florida. They are 32-point favorites in that one uh, this Saturday at 2.30. Uh, South Florida comes at 1-1. South Florida's not a good football team. Alabama's going to blow them out regardless. I do feel bad for them now. Uh, they can get some stuff straightened out. But uh, we'll see. But uh, when they get past that, go beyond now. What's Alabama going to look like? But this weekend is an opportunity to kind of look at some stuff and perhaps fix some stuff. Now let's get into Auburn. I stayed up late for this one uh, for a publication I write for. I had to get that article out. Uh, I was up to about 1, 1.30 uh, with this one. Uh, Auburn wins against Cal 14 to 10. Uh, they go to 2-0, and uh, Cal drops a 1-1, and and Euphrey said, hey, 2-0, win's a win, that's important. Uh, you know, you'd rather win ugly than lose pretty, but it was a tough watch. And I went into this game thinking, okay, Auburn is just a better team. I believe Auburn has more talented players. And, and look, and, and I'll, I'll go ahead and admit my ignorance. I don't know a lot about Cal. I focus a lot with the SEC and like Troy and South Alabama and Florida State and Clemson and Little Georgia Tech, Little North Carolina, the ACC, search schools like that. You know, there's so I'm, I'm mostly my, my Twitter handle is P Jordan SEC, so you know where I, my focus is at on Saturdays. It's mostly what's going on in the Southeast, the Sun Belt, and the ACC. So I didn't know a lot about Cal. I knew Cal was four and eight last year, and I had a good running back in Jay Knott, which really he was not a factor. He got hurt. Look, look to me, he got his bell rung when he basically got flipped in the air, landed on his head. I mean, he looked like he got it, maybe got concussed, or just didn't know where it was at. But the Auburn offense was not good. There was no rhythm. There was no consistency. They had four turnovers in the game. Look, Auburn is very fortunate that they won the game straight up. Uh, there's a lot of points got left out there for Cal. Let's start off Auburn's opening possession. Third down, Peyton Thorne scrambles outside of pocket. He's trying to go out of bounds. He loses the ball right before he goes out of bounds. And then the Cal defender, linebacker, grabs it and looks like he runs to the end zone. They review it, and it looked like to me, okay, they're reviewing to see if Peyton Thorne was out of bounds, and he wasn't, and neither was the linebacker, but they didn't give him a touchdown. They said he was out of bounds, the linebacker, the defender for Cal. It did look like to me it was. Uh, and then Auburn's defense stiffened up, which was a theme in this game, uh, to hold Cal to just the three points. So it's 3 nothing, and that, that's one occasion there. You know, Auburn eventually scored a touchdown. And it's it's just it's like I said, this game was hard, hard, hard to watch. But Cal missed three field goals in the game. They had one field goal at the end of the first half that got called back because of a holding penalty, and it was too far for them to try another field goal. So they ended up throwing a Hail Mary in the game. 
Um, like I said, Auburn turning the ball over. There was, there was just a lot of points. They basically had 16 points that Cal left out there. And Auburn was fortunate. Uh, Peyton Thorne did not look good. I mean, look at the numbers, 9-14, 94 yards, two touchdowns, one interception. Robbie Ashford come in. He wasn't effective as a passer, which only threw three passes, or as a runner like he was against UMass. I think that's what they were hoping. And, look, I'm not really a big fan of the quarterback switching around stuff. That's I'm just not. I understand. And Hugh Freeze talked about this in his press conference on Monday. He talked about he didn't like the way it looked, but he also wants Robbie to get his touches. And I get that. But I also see this in this situation. If Peyton Thorne was a quarterback that had been on the roster for a while, it'd be different. And if this was a not a new staff, it would be different. But we need to remember something about this whole deal. Peyton Thorne wasn't here. He wasn't there at Auburn during the spring. He came in after. He's still getting acclimated to his receivers. Receivers are still getting acclimated to Auburn. But there's, there's some new guys on here tied in. Rivaldo uh, Fairweather, who had a solid game and made some big plays toward the end to help Auburn get the victory. But Peyton Thorne needs to get in a rhythm. And I don't think the way they're doing the quarterback situation is allowing that. And then finally on that possession when Auburn did score to win the game, I feel like he got in there, he got in a rhythm, he, he kind of got some stuff working in the passing game. And so I think Hugh Freeze and Ron Montgomery are going to have to come up with a better system if they want to play both of these quarterbacks. And I want to see Auburn run the ball more. Uh, Jarquez Hunter was back, 53 yards on 11 carries. Demari Austin had 51 yards on eight carries. Also, more Jeremiah, uh, Jeremiah Cobb and Brian Batie. I think those two need to have more play. Now, I feel like Thorne and Jay Fair have really worked something. Now, he only had two catches for 25 yards, but I feel like that's someone that Thorne is looking to. Fairweather had a big game. He had some big catches. He had a big pass interference that was caught on him. Then later would set up that touchdown to put Auburn up 14 to 10. But back to the turnovers. I mean, Jarquez Hunter almost cost the game for him there at the end, but Auburn was able to hold on, and uh, DJ James was able to get the interception that sealed the deal. It's all about Auburn defense. Two guys that had stuck out to me these first two games. Eugene Asante, he had 12 tackles, one sack, one and a half tackles for loss. It seemed like he was always around the ball. And if he was around the ball, it was Dolphin Kaufman who was around the ball. He had eight tackles at uh, half a tackle for loss. So, Auburn defense played great. They won that game for them. Uh, so, going into Sanford, we're going to see all the quarterbacks. We know that. But I want to see Peyton Thorne allowed to get in rhythm. That's something I want to see. I don't think it's going to happen, though. I think they're going to continue doing this thing, Robbie Ashford. And then the following week, Auburn plays at Texas A&M at 11 a.m., which they're really after losing to Miami. So, Auburn needs to find some stuff. I think we everybody felt positive coming out of the UMass game that Auburn had some things, but UMass is not good. And then they play a step-up in talent, a step-up in team in Cal, and it doesn't really go well for them in the offense struggle. So they, they got something to figure out. But uh, against Sanford, that is a team that you should be able uh, to work on some things. Everybody, and that's going to do it for this week's edition of the Wiregrass Daily News Sports. I actually went longer than I thought I would. I figured I'd probably go 10, 15, but we're looking at 20 minutes here on the show this week. So it's going to be an interesting week in college football. We get to watch Alabama play South Florida. That is a 2.30 kickoff on ABC. 
Troy will be playing James Madison six o'clock on the NFL Network, and then Auburn plays Sanford. But that was a, that's an ESPN Plus game, so you got to have internet, got to have ESPN Plus to watch that one. There's some other interesting games all over the conference in the SEC uh, that I really think people should be checking out. The slate of games will look like at 11 a.m. on ESPN, you've got LSU at Mississippi State. LSU's nine and a half point favorite. I'm going to take LSU in that one. I'm not big on Mississippi State. And they had an overtime win over Arizona this past weekend. Talk about Kansas State. They're playing at Missouri. That's an old rivalry from their Big 12 days. Kansas State's a five-point favorite. I think Kansas State will win that one. Don't be looking good for the SEC when it comes to these non-conference matchups either. Uh, South Carolina, we got Georgia. I like Georgia. Just, they're just so much better. Alabama, South Florida, we talked about that one. Louisiana Monroe will be at Texas A&M. Uh, Tennessee at Florida. It's been 20 years since Tennessee has gone to Florida and won. I think they'll do it this week. They're a six-and-a-half-point favorite. I don't think Florida's all that good. Vanderbilt will head to Vegas, take on UNLV. Georgia Tech will be at Ole Miss. Uh, Ole Miss didn't play great defensively. The run game wasn't consistent either against Tulane. We'll see what Georgia Tech can do there. BYU will be at Arkansas. They played last year, so this is a return game. And then Akron will be at Kentucky. And then also some other another game I know people around in the wire are interested in. Florida State will be playing Boston College. That's an 11 o'clock kickoff, too, as well. That's on ABC. So that's kind of like a look at some of the games. And uh, like I said, that's going to do it for this week's edition. Uh, make sure on Thursday night you tune in to 96.9 The Legend to listen to the Jed Kennedy Coaches Show. Uh, I filled in this week for for Jerry. Uh, Jerry's not going to be on the show, so you'll hear me on there. Ken will be there as well. We'll talk to Coach about the epic, disappointing 28-27 loss to Auburn on Friday night. And uh, if you miss it, if you miss it there, it will be on this feed too as well. So you'll check it out there too as well. So at 8.30, the Coach Show podcast will show up. So if you can't catch it on the radio, it will be up on podcast as well. And listen to the Dothan Wolves as they host the Prattville Lions, another big 7A Region 2 matchup on Friday night. Uh, pre-game is at 6.45 and kickoff is at 7. And please go back early in the week. I did a short solo podcast on the Wiregrass High School Football Report. So that is there for you as well. Uh, remember, you can follow me on social media at P. Jordan SCC. The podcast is available on wiregrassdailynews.com or wherever you get your podcasts. And also, please uh, shoot me an email over at sports.philipjordan at gmail.com. Anyways, guys, I hope everybody has a great week. Until next time. Bye-bye.